Morning, everybody. I am thankful to get to look at God's Word together with all of you as we continue our worship now. Uh, This is such an amazing season with so many blessings, including I am very thankful for that song that was written long ago and our band that can lead us in this musical worship. From the Christian perspective, um, uh, we think of the blessings of our, our Savior becoming a human being and so many amazing implications and results from that. Salvation from sin and death being free and no longer slaves, having hope in this hopeless world. And from the perspective that isn't necessarily Christian, Christmas time, uh, there's getting to see family, buying presents, decorating, watching fun nostalgic movies, family traditions, eating lots of food and desserts, desserts and more desserts. And even more, there was one Christmas that I thought, I don't think we'll eat all these before they go bad. We are so rich as a society. Um, So much food. Uh, and, And then we've got going to parties and seeing more friends, receiving Christmas cards and letters from old friends, and and then getting our Christmas cards out eventually too. And there's so many amazing blessings. And I didn't even list all the aspects of our typical American Christmas. Be honest now, as I continued through that list, how many of you started to stress a little bit as I continued to list those amazing blessings? For they are, and we realize them to be. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we do consider them blessings. And we should. But there is often stress that comes with blessings. Blessings are good things. Literally, one definition for them is a thing conducive to happiness or welfare. At the same time, they're, they're additional. They're extra things. And with extra to our schedule, schedules, Christmas time is a prime example of that, I imagine, for most. We don't know where to put everything or how to do everything. Plus, with Christmas, we're trying to make everything as perfect as possible, right? How are we to remember that blessings are blessings even when they come with stress? We're going to find out by looking at a small part of a godly man's life in Matthew chapter 1. You're welcome to turn over there now. Joseph, the Christmas Joseph, not the Egypt Joseph, although we could talk about him as well, um, This morning, we're going to see three parts of Jesus' life where it intersects with Joseph, his human father. We'll see blessing, responsibility, and leadership. Matthew chapter 1 is the blessing of a baby. We won't read the first part, although there's a really excellent song by uh, Andrew Peterson, I believe, called Matthew's Begats. If you haven't heard it, he sings the first 17 verses, which is just a genealogy, and he does a really nice job of it. I think it's our five-year-old's about favorite Christmas song right now. <laughs> it's so good, I don't mind hearing it not at Christmas time. All right, let's, uh, I'll read here at verse 18, Matthew 1, 18. 
And I didn't tell you before, but it's page 807 in the Pew Bibles. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's where we'll stop for now. So the blessing of a baby. Joseph had a plan. When presented with something extra beyond what he was expecting, the problem in front of Joseph is that his fiance is pregnant and the baby is not his. An obvious first thought that we might have is that there was sin involved. I mean, how else does a girl get pregnant if it's not by her husband? There is sin involved of some type. Joseph's solution to this problem was a quiet divorce because he was a righteous man. A little historical background on marriage. Way back a couple thousand years ago in Israel, it was normal for a girl's parents and a guy's parents to get together, make arrangements for them to get married, arranged marriages. Some of us wonder if life would work out even better if we still did this, but we don't in our society. When everything was sorted out and finalized, it was a big deal. And to get out of an engagement was a divorce. And being unfaithful was adultery. Nowadays, when I hear of a couple who's been engaged, but they break it off, uh, there's sadness, but I'm also glad that they figured things out before they actually got married, before they made that covenant. Back then, that covenant happened at the engagement rather than at the wedding, like it does for us. So, it makes sense if Joseph thought Mary had not been faithful. It makes sense that he might think that. There were laws about what to do as well. Based on a couple things from the Old Testament, it was possible that she could have been stoned to death if it were adultery. But another lawful route was divorce. And imagine, since they knew there was a baby coming, even more so, that was more acceptable. Joseph's initial solution to this problem we can learn from. Because it was a righteous response, we know that for sure. It says it in so many words. It reminds me of Micah 6.8. Micah 5 is also quoted in some of what we're reading this morning. But Micah 6.8, where God talks of doing justice Loving mercy or kindness and walking humbly with God. Joseph cared for Mary in such a way, and I think through this he showed loving kindness toward her. What he originally may have thought was betrayal, he met with compassion. 
He didn't want the worst thing for her. Execution, not on the table. He didn't even want to pull her name through the mud. It was a quiet divorce. He still wanted something good for her. So through the first stress of things not going at all to plan or expectations, even the thoughts that Joseph had about responding were loving. How do we respond when things don't go to plan? When it looks like there's somebody else to blame? When there was a present that was supposed to be ordered and you both thought your spouse was going to order it? Or one more thing on the calendar that you're sure you let the family know about, but none of them seem to remember. We respond the way Joseph did here. That's how we should. With love and with kindness. With mercy, not wanting to give the worst. And yes, again, Mary, we know, deserved nothing bad. She had done nothing wrong. But overall... We are to want what is good for the other person. Whatever we know of the whole of the situation, that much we know we should do. Want what is good for the other person. And yet, if Joseph thought there was betrayal, he was wrong. And God made sure he knew that. God intervened. He intervened with Jesus. Jesus is the Sunday morning answer, but Jesus is also the answer. And God had a far bigger plan than Joseph's plan, just like he has a far bigger plan than yours or mine. That's one thing I've noticed. Uh, Mission trips. If you've ever been on a mission trip, whether that's in the United States or in a different country or wherever, we make plans, as is good, but God always seems to have something more or different in mind. Sometimes way different. I was trying to go to Ecuador once and was in the Miami airport. And the next flight was to Ecuador, but I ended up in New York for a night and it took an extra two days to get there. And that was a mission trip. And, and God worked in amazing ways and allowed us to see even right then what he was doing. He works as he sees as best. I always know that it is better what God has for us than what I had in mind and planned. That's what I know for certain about this. Joseph and Mary's lives were better because of this new blessing. Not easier though, no. Not at all necessarily. Because Jesus doesn't always make things easier for us, but he always makes them better. God tells Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife here. The baby isn't in her because of an act of sin, but because of all of the acts of sin that the whole world would ever commit. This tiny blessing was coming to be the biggest blessing the world has ever seen. And Joseph obeyed. Joseph's obedience and his response. He did what God told him to do. That's what it says. He and Mary got married. He made sure that she stayed a virgin through the birth and named the baby boy Jesus. Would Joseph's life forever be different? Not as he expected? Absolutely. 
Is following Jesus going to change your life forever? Yes. yes. Has it already? Yes. yes. Is it going to be harder? Yes. Not always, but sometimes for sure. Is it going to bring you sometimes in life that you have nothing else to depend on besides God himself? Yes. Especially if you're really well, willing to follow him. Is your life going to be better because of it? Absolutely. This guy has just got all the answers. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I wouldn't repeat you, except I want to make sure the online people get to hear you, too. Was Joseph's, was Joseph's life better? Yes. Not, not because the Bible specifically says that. It actually doesn't tell us a whole lot more about Joseph. But because we know from God's word and also by his grace, through our experience, following God creates the best life. Not the easiest, but the best. Let's consider one more thing that may have caused stress for Joseph. By the way, this, the topic is stress based on we're, we're going through the four chapters of that little book in these Advent sermons. But um, stress as itself, as a word, is not in the Bible. So I don't know for sure that Joseph experienced stress, but there are situations that stress makes sense that we're talking through. Joseph was suddenly going to be a father. Not according to his own plan. And he was going to be the adoptive father of God's son. There are a lot of people in our congregation who are about to be fathers. I think most of us, this is another child, uh, not our first. Yet, it can be overwhelming, and parenting itself can be stressful. And for you teenagers who are yet to be parents, or anyone who is yet to be a parent, remember a couple things. Mary was probably a teenager, Joseph maybe two, though had been prepared to be married and a mom before too long. So our teenagers, we don't expect to be parents as quickly. And God was certain that having an earthly father was the best plan. Think about that through this. He sent an angel to Joseph in a dream just to make sure that Jesus had an earthly father. And he was the right guy. Having a mother and a father are a big deal. That is God's design. As we think about the holidays and all of the family, the best path through stress, not saying it'll go away, by the way, but the best path is to remember what direction God has given us. And Joseph did that well. Some of that is to do justice, love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. That's Micah 6. Along with honoring our parents, Ephesians 6. Submitting ourselves to one another as believers, Ephesians chapter 5. Remember that our world is in darkness, and those who do not yet know Christ are blinded to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4. That our enemy is not flesh and blood, not people, not human beings, but Satan and his 
demons. That's Ephesians 6 again. And that God will be with us always as believers. See that? Hebrews 13. So those are things that we want to remember as we go through, as we encounter things that may be stressful. Promises of God. Let's look at some more of Joseph's life. The next curveball that God sends him. I'll start reading. We'll read more than just about Joseph. Chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So with that, we understand more about these wise men who came, and Herod and his responses and reactions. I'll read 13 through 16. Now when they had departed, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. So Herod, Herod dealt with stress by exerting control over the situation and a vicious, awful kind of control. But here, more about Joseph. We get to responsibility. Responsibility of having a child. So, there's a new problem. Joseph only hears about it because of an angel. It's the second time he gets to hear from one. Most people only hear from an angel once in the scriptures. Problem is that Herod is about to look for this new blessing and to kill him. Pastor Josh mentioned last week, but I'll say it again. King Herod was kind of crazy and definitely paranoid. Um, He murdered one of his nine wives, her two sons, her brother, her grandfather, and her mother, plus his firstborn son later, and of course all the little boys in Bethlehem. And that's just from like a paragraph or two in Encyclopedia Britannica about him. This guy was an awful guy. God's direction to Joseph. God tells Joseph to run. This isn't a a dream to think about in the morning and get ready over the next week for this journey to the 
next country to the south. No, this is wake up, get your family in like 10 minutes, get up and go. That, that's how we understand that the Greek suggests that. That this is get up now and go. Immediately. Flee. And then remain there until I tell you, which is undefined. And Herod's going to look to destroy the child. It's time to be the leader here, too. Joseph's obedience again. Joseph left in the middle of the night. God had provided the amazing blessing of this child. And as with many children, it's not all just fun and giggles. There's plenty of those. That's not all there is. When Joseph receives notice from the angel that he must leave immediately because the child's life is in danger, any parent could quickly see a couple major causes of stress. Again, we don't know if Joseph was stressed, but we're looking at what he did in situations that people might consider stressful. Number one, any threat to your child's safety is stressful, whether it's momentary and you can resolve it, like if a child gets too close to the edge of something. Uh, Rachel says she wasn't scared of heights until she became a mother. But apparently since then, she's a lot more scared of heights than she was. Um, it's a little funny for me since I'm not a mother. But then again, at the same time, we went up to Devil's Lake this fall. And I had a firm grip on two little hands as we came up to the edge of that bluff with a significant drop over that edge. I knew that they were not going over. I had a firm grip. So, it's, that's the momentary threat. Or if the threat is unavoidable and must be monitored, like when your child is in the hospital or something is wrong and the doctors don't know exactly what it is. Child safety can be stressful. Seeing or hearing your child's life is in danger can overwhelm. And we quickly focus on nothing but rescuing our child. The second stress Joseph was facing was the prospect of traveling miles with a young kid with absolutely no preparation. Think about that one for a second. Whether you're flying or driving or going on a hike, whether it's a two miles, 20 miles, or 2,000 miles, parents know that babies, and especially toddlers, are not easy travelers. And no, I'm not certain how old Jesus was, but crawling and maybe even walking are reasonable thoughts for sure. We're to trust God through the turns and stresses of life. God provides what we need. Sometimes he gives what we need before we discover that we even have the need. Like the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh that showed up shortly before God said, get out. They had these things of high value, and now they would be able to do exactly what they needed to do to travel, to set up their family as they started out in Egypt. That actually reminds me some of the work that's being done on Branch 4. Um, that the goal is still coming out February, the week of February 12th. We'll start up branch four. The title of that is Being Christ's Disciple. The devotionals are wrapped around the central theme of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. That's when the master gives three servants money and goes off and they're supposed to do something with it. We've all been given gifts, whether that's spiritual gifts or financial bounty, 
lots of toys, vehicles, houses, whatever it is. What are we doing with those for God's glory? That's the main focus of branch four. And I'm thinking about it here with this too. We never hear of Mary Joseph and Jesus and their family being rich people. That's not what that money was for. But if nothing else, and I don't know, may have been for their trip and their time in Egypt. So we can consider what are we using God's gifts for right now. And when we're getting and giving gifts at Christmas time, let's not focus, let's not let the focus rest solely on ourselves and everything we can get. We know this, and we want to keep this, and we know it. But even the things we do receive, let's start thinking about how we can use those for God's glory. And if you've got those people that are hard to figure out what to get for, maybe you can think through that as well. Says, how, what can I give them that will help them glorify God? Sometimes God gives what we need before we know our need. Sometimes right when we need it, like with a dream in the middle of the night. We can't prepare ahead of time, which actually, though maybe a lot of stress right in that moment, at least we don't have that whole dreading type of stress before something comes. And sometimes God gives after we recognize our need. Like after Joseph knew about the baby coming, God didn't come to him until he had considered what he was going to do. We have four more verses to look at together. I see them about leadership. Verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that he, what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So the leadership of a father. Based on what we can figure from history, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus probably weren't in Egypt very long. I looked up when Herod died. According to the records we have, he died in 4 BC, which might be confusing and surprising um, because isn't our calendar based on when Jesus was born. We do have BC, which is before Christ, and AD, which is Anno Domini, which is not English. And I don't really know why I didn't look that one up. Why do we have English and Latin? But Anno Domini means in the year of our Lord. And it's based on when Jesus was born. So it seems that the guy who set it all up got it off by a few years. It makes a lot of sense. And again, we don't know for certain. But it makes sense that Jesus was probably born in 5 or 6 B.C. Um, and there's an interesting study on what year Jesus was born in that I could point you to by a guy named Harold Honer if you are interested in learning more. When it was time to come back, Joseph came back. There's, there's, that's just what he does. I looked up Joseph in the Bible. I've had this running idea that there aren't bad things said about guys named Joseph in the scriptures. And there are about eight of them that I could find. 
And that's still my experience. I don't know why. It's not like they didn't do bad things. This is just what's recorded in Scripture. But here, Joseph did what God said. When it was time to come back, Joseph came back. And when he wasn't convinced of one spot, God directed him to the best spot where even prophecy would be fulfilled. Through these verses about him, we see that Joseph is a godly man. And I don't know that Jesus needed it, but he is a great example of obedience through hard times. And Jesus is the perfect example of obedience through hard times. As we look through the rest of Scripture, we don't see much more about Joseph. Matthew 13, 55, we hear people doubting that Jesus could be much of anything. They knew him, and, and wasn't he just the son of a carpenter? Joseph didn't make a big name for himself or a big name for his sons. But for everything we do know about him, he did what God called him to do. I'd rather be known as someone who did what God called me to do than make a great name for myself. And even in these verses that seem to be about Joseph, you can count. Jesus is mentioned more often. Because just like John the Baptist in the next passage, chapter 3, none of this is about these guys. This story isn't about Joseph. Though there's lots to learn from him. And I'm pretty sure Joseph knew the story wasn't about him either. It's about Jesus. So what about today and the stress that we have? Well, keep a few things in mind. The story isn't about you. And I don't just mean Christmas. I mean all of it. We are all important for sure. All made in the image of God. He created us uniquely and intentionally. But none of us is the main character in this drama called life. That's one of the biggest stressors in my life when I start to think it's all about me. When I work to make things perfect in my definition of perfection. When all the details have to come together as I think they should. And when others get in the way of that, they may suffer. But I'm the one who's suffering throughout. Because when the main thing isn't the main thing, every other thing suffers. Joseph had it right. He knew that God's plans were the best plans. He was a man who wanted to follow God, and that meant not following all of his own plans for life. And when you're up in heaven, you can ask him if he thinks it was worth it. Though we all know the answer, not just because it's obvious, but also because if you've ever trusted God beyond yourself and beyond your own plans, you know that he is the best and his plans work out in his perfect timing. So if you're in the middle of stress, maybe because of so many blessings, know that it's not unusual. Just keep the focus where it's supposed to be absolutely dur during the Christmas season, but really all the time. And trust that the one we're focused on has the best plans, even if, when, they all go through some unexpected detours in the meantime. So this morning, we've looked at the blessing that was a baby and Joseph's plan. 
God's intervention, and then Joseph's obedience in that. The responsibility of having a child and Joseph's trusting God's provision through the twists and turns of life and the leadership of a father, that the story is about Jesus, not Joseph. So this week, let's remember that blessings are blessings even when they come with stress. And the best way to deal with stress is to remember that those blessings, what they really are, they're good things. And we want to remember that the story is all about Jesus. We're not buying the presents so everyone can think we're amazing, but that Christ may be lifted up. We're not packing up all the kids to go to church or to go see family so that everyone can know we've got it all together. Because usually on the way to church on a Sunday morning, you realize you don't. But we're doing that so that we can be more like Jesus and care for others as he cares for others. We're not putting up decorations and hosting the parties so that we can feel better, but so that we can celebrate what God did in sending his son, Jesus Christ, God himself to earth to become a human being so that we could be made right with him. So this Christmas time, when blessings may start to feel like burdens, let's turn from the stress and remember the Savior. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, you are good. You are God. You understand all things. Your plans are the very best. And Lord, thank you for showing us that. Lord, thank you for continuing to show us that over and over and over again when we forget. But Lord, we praise you. Thank you for reminders of of godly people who have come before. Men like Joseph and others beyond. Lord, they were not perfect, nor are we. But because of Christ, who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, who went to the cross, who died and rose from the dead, we can be declared righteous in front of you, our holy God. Lord, may our eyes not be on us this Christmas season, but on Christ. For the story is truly about him. May we remember that well, every day, all the time. In his name, in his name, we can come before you and do right now. Amen.